everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of the Dason Digest. I am Alyssa Johnson, a liaison clinical pharmacist with Dason, and the title of this episode is Addition by Subtraction, Optimizing Antibiotic Durations at Hospital Discharge. This episode is being recorded on Thursday, August 26, 2021. So let's begin. Today, I want to review with you a recent paper that was published in the Open Forum of Infectious Diseases Journal in the August edition, Volume 8, Number 8, and we'll put the link to this in the show notes. The title of the paper is Added Up, an Evaluation of Antibiotic Duration at Hospital Discharge at a Community Hospital. And the authors for this were Drs. Morgan Connor, William Harris, and John Baumkamp. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, patients admitted to the hospital are commonly discharged on antibiotic therapy with prolonged courses, which contributes to excessive antibiotic exposure and potential adverse events. This study aimed to evaluate the total antibiotic duration of therapy at the time of transition of care from the inpatient community hospital setting to the outpatient setting. This was a multi-center retrospective electronic healthcare record review of patients admitted to any of three hospitals in the Indiana University Health West Central Region and discharged with an antibiotic prescription from the 1st of January, 2019 to the 30th of June, 2019. So a six month period. The three hospitals involved were a 191 bed community teaching hospital in Lafayette, Indiana, as well as two critical access hospitals about 20 miles away. One of these was a 25-bed critical access hospital and the other had 12 beds. Current antimicrobial stewardship efforts are centered on prospective audit and feedback in these hospitals for patients who are admitted. One antimicrobial stewardship pharmacist was located at the main hospital and provides service to all three hospitals. Interventions in these hospitals focused largely on inpatients and prescribing at hospital discharge was not typically being monitored by the antimicrobial stewardship pharmacist. Patients were included in the study if they were 18 years of age or older, received antibiotic therapy for skin and soft tissue infections, community acquired pneumonia, uncomplicated urinary tract infections, or acute exacerbation of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and they had to have an antibiotic prescribed at hospital discharge to be included. For skin and soft tissue infections, they did exclude complicated infections that would involve bones or joints or diabetic foot infections. Acute exacerbation of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease was defined by the 2020 GOLD guidelines as an acute worsening of respiratory symptoms resulting in the need for additional therapy. Patients with this who received immunosuppressive therapy were excluded from the study, and by this they meant 20 milligrams or more of prednisone equivalent for two weeks or more, or other immunosuppressive medication. Patients were excluded from the study if they were pregnant, as indicated by a positive pregnancy test, had received antibiotics for an indication not listed in the inclusion criteria, received antibiotics for more than one indication, were discharged on parenteral antibiotics, or if they were missing data regarding antibiotic use or indication in the electronic health record. To collect data about the study patients, the investigators performed electronic health record review. 
The indication for the antibiotic therapy was identified from the diagnosis documented by the primary team provider in the progress note that was entered in the EHR. In this study, they used the term day of therapy. However, this is probably more equivalent to the length of therapy that we discussed in DASON data. And this is defined as a day in which at least one dose of an antibiotic was administered, regardless of the dosing frequency. And this is based on the CDC core elements of hospital antimicrobial stewardship. If a patient received multiple antibiotics with the same intended indication, only one day of therapy was counted, regardless of the number of antibiotics administered on a given day. This, again, as I stated, would be more reflective of the length of therapy metric that you would find in our DASON data. For patients discharged and treated for community-acquired pneumonia, they assessed their clinical stability at the time of their hospital discharge using the IDSA-ATS consensus guidelines for community-acquired pneumonia treatment from 2019 in order to better understand the recommended duration of therapy. A patient was considered stable for discharge with community-acquired pneumonia if they were afebrile for 48 hours and were missing no more than one of these signs of clinical stability for 48 hours prior to discharge. They were able to maintain oral intake, they were afebrile with a temperature less than 38.7 degrees Celsius or equal to that, um, less than or equal to 100 beats per minute heart rate, a respiratory rate less than or equal to 24 breaths per minute, systolic blood pressure greater or equal to 90 millimeters of mercury. They had an arterial oxygen saturation at least 90% or greater, or a partial pressure of oxygen at least 60% or greater on room air and return to uh, normal mental status or baseline. Data for the study were collected and evaluated by the three authors, but there was no comparison or audit done to compare how they evaluated patients. In total, they had 547 patients who met their inclusion-exclusion criteria during the six-month study period. The average age of patients in the study was 68 years. The range was 20 to up to 103 years of age. The majority of patients included were female, almost 59% female, and 31% of patients had antibiotic allergies listed in their charts. The most common allergy reported was penicillins, which was present in 16% of patients. 43% of patients were being treated for community-acquired pneumonia, followed by urinary tract infections at 22%, skin and soft tissue infections at 18.5%, and acute exacerbation of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease at 17%. They found that the overall length of hospital stay was longest for community-acquired pneumonia and skin and soft tissue infections, with a mean of a little less than five days each. For urinary tract infections, the mean length of stay was 4.1 days, and AECOPD was 3.7 days. So for their main findings, they had a total median of nine days for community-acquired pneumonia treatment. Skin and soft tissue infections received a median of 11 days of treatment. Urinary tract infections received eight days of treatment, and AECOPD received seven days of treatment total. This includes both inpatient and outpatient. And these are well above what would be recommended by guidelines and the current literature. Specifically, for community-acquired pneumonia, the median inpatient length of treatment was four days, with additional five days outpatient. 
and this gave us the total of nine days of therapy. The current guidelines would recommend a minimum of five days of therapy for the majority of these patients. For skin and soft tissue infections, patients received a median of four days inpatient and additional seven days outpatient for this total of 11 days. And this is contrasted with guideline recommended durations of five to seven days for this patient population. For urinary tract infections, they found a median of three days inpatient treatment with five days additional outpatient with a median total of eight days of therapy. Again, guidelines would recommend three to five days of therapy for these patients. And for AECOPD, there was a median of three days of inpatient antibiotics followed by a median of four days outpatient for a total of seven days with literature indicating that the treatment should be about three to five days total. The most common agents prescribed in these patients at discharge were oral cephalosporins, amoxicillin, clavulanic acid, fluoroquinolones, and azithromycin. As far as strengths and limitations, one of the strengths of this study is that the electronic healthcare records were reviewed for all encounters in the study by the investigators, and this wasn't just simply a data mining activity. The population broadly was representative of the patients that we see in our community hospitals, and they targeted these common infections that we see most commonly in our institutions as well that would likely result in opportunities for optimization. Some of the limitations include the fact that it had a retrospective study design, it was in a single healthcare system in Indiana, relied on electronic healthcare record documentation, and that the patient's pharmacies were not contacted to confirm that the patient acquired the prescription upon hospital discharge. This was simply eScripts data. It's also possible that there are other areas where the antibiotics could be optimized on discharge, including the spectrum of activity for the type of infection that the patient had, optimization of dosing, and maybe a lack of clinical indication for the utilization, or a mismatch in culture and susceptibility information, and these weren't really assessed. So the overall appropriateness of these prescriptions were not assessed by the investigators. They were simply focusing on the duration of activity. So this really may even represent the tip of the iceberg in, in areas for optimization at transitions of care for these patients. But let's put this into perspective. The median total days of therapy for community-acquired pneumonia in this study was nine days, with an interquartile range of seven to 10 days. And this is four days longer than recommended um, as minimum treatment by the current IDSA guidelines. Patients with community-acquired pneumonia were reviewed in the study for clinical stability 48 hours prior to the time of discharge, and nearly all patients in the community-acquired pneumonia group, or at least 99% of them, were clinically stable at least 48 hours prior to this discharge. Therefore, these patients could have routinely received a total of five days of therapy. This really represents a lot of room for improvement. For skin and soft tissue infections, the median total days of therapy was 12 days with an interquartile range of 10 to 14 days. And although we know that skin and soft tissue infections may range in severity, for the purposes of this study, patients were only included if they had an uncomplicated infection, such as cellulitis, erysipelas, carbuncles, faruncles, or abscesses. Diabetic foot infections and those complicated by bone or joint infections were excluded. 
And so for these cases, the recommended duration of therapy is typically five to seven days based on current literature and IDSA guidelines. And as a result, it was observed that patients with skin and soft tissue infections were prescribed five to seven days of excess therapy. Similar trends were seen with the indications of uncomplicated UTI. The median total duration was eight days for these patients, resulting in approximately three to five extra days of therapy based on current recommendations. We know that the duration of therapy for uncomplicated UTI depends a little bit upon the antibiotic class used, for example, fluoroquinolones versus beta-lactams. However, there was no difference observed in the days of therapy prescribed at discharge between drug classes for these patients, further emphasizing the need to optimize our treatments. Finally, the median total days of therapy for acute exacerbations of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease was seven days, which is approximately two to four days of excess days of therapy considering current literature. The results in this study are consistent with current literature for durations of therapy for skin and soft tissue infections, urinary tract infections, and community-acquired pneumonia, which account for 60% of antibiotic use at the time of discharge in our hospitals. Previous studies have concluded a median total days of therapy ranging from eight to 10 days. This study demonstrated an excess of about nine days of antibiotic use across all indications, which underscores the overuse of antibiotics through prolonged courses of therapy in these patients. And as indicated by the authors, the overutilization of antibiotics for these indications, regardless of well-established guidelines, makes them ideal targets for prescribing interventions. We've done some work in this area at DASON led by April Dyer, uh, specifically looking at durations of antimicrobial therapy in two of our community hospitals and one academic medical center over a similar time frame. Um, however, it was somewhat larger. We had more than 7,000 admissions that were assessed in this study. We will put a link to that in the episode notes as well. The post-discharge length of therapy among admissions with discharge antimicrobials in our study was a median of eight days, so similar to what was found in this study that we discussed earlier, with peaks of treatment uh, durations of five, seven, 10, and 14 days. Post-discharge days accounted for 38% of antimicrobial exposure days in this patient population. Our study was slightly different in that we included both adult and pediatric patients, and the infectious diagnosis was based on ICD-10 codes and our EHR. The length of stay in our study was 7.3 days in those with outpatient antibiotic prescriptions. Pneumonia was 10 days, UTIs was 11 days total, and SSTIs was 13 days. So somewhat longer than even reported here. But nevertheless, fairly consistent results that there's a lot of room for optimization at transitions of care for these patients. So what can we do about this? The Joint Commission is now asking about outpatient antimicrobial stewardship efforts in our institutions. And as evidenced by these studies, there seems to be opportunities to optimize antibiotic use in the outpatient setting. Following antibiotic prescribing at transitions of care is one way that we can work on optimizing our use in the outpatient setting. Some of the strategies mentioned in previous reviews to address this include education, medication reconciliation at discharge, culture follow-ups after discharge, and order sets with default durations. However, we know that it takes resources and is sometimes difficult to get support for these additional interventions. 
Assessing default durations on the antibiotic orders may be useful to reduce prescribing of some of these longer durations. We would recommend that prescribers look to the treatment guidelines within their facility or these national guidelines and ensure that they're counting the days of antibiotics, both inpatient and outpatient in total together and not restarting the clock at hospital discharge, as that seems to be happening far too often. In summary, we have identified a potential opportunity for optimization of antibiotics for these and other common infectious indications in this paper, as well as in our days on hospitals. We encourage you to work with your teams at your facility to consider ways to optimize the duration of antimicrobial therapy and reduce unnecessary exposure to antibiotics in your patients. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is the Dayson Digest.